Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Chris Evans here. A big thank you for downloading our Virgin Radio podcast. Coming up on this week's edition of The Best of the Breakfast Show with Sky. The legendary Sir Elton John chats his new autobiography, Me, and his massive farewell yellow brick road tour. C3PO, also known as the lovely Anthony Daniels, was here discussing his brand new book, I Am C3PO. Edward Norton tells us all about his upcoming film, Motherless Brooklyn, plus Tom Fletcher, James Wilkes, Eddie Jones, and loads more fabulous guests to enjoy. He's had his fair share of all right Saturday nights and he's still standing. Slap bang in the middle of saying farewell to the yellow brick road and clutching copies of his brilliant autobiography, Me. It's uh, Elton John and Chris in conversation recorded at the Royal Academy of Music earlier this week. Now you've talked about your songs. I've heard you do that loads of times, but you, you always stop. When people actually talk about music, you, you sort of stop and you couldn't stop here because they, uh, you're not allowed to stop no. here. And uh, people have said, what happens when you write songs and you always stop at the point where you say, and I put my hands on the keyboards and I just hope something happens. Yeah. And here today you went a little bit further, you know, and in the film, we, 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 we've seen in the film and I've read in your book that you talk about the universe and you talk about calling. And today you mentioned God a couple of times. You know, what is it that happens when you lay those Elton John fingers on those keyboards? I honestly don't know. Chris. Oh, come on, you're not allowed to say that now. It's something that filters through me. Um, and I don't know why, but there's something spiritual that comes through me, and I'm, I literally do put my hands on the keyboard, and there we go. And if it hasn't come together within 40 minutes, I stop, and I go on to another one. Um, and it, there literally is no plan. It's just a, it's a chance, and I, don't, I can't explain it. It's otherworldly. All right, let's go, let's go geographical, right? But, do you hear it in your head first? Do you feel it in your tummy first? I, I do don't you hear feel any melodies. Okay, don't hear any melody. So what no. moves, is it the fingers that move first? It's, it's the chord, the first chord I hit. Right. And whatever chord I hit, well, I hit the E flat when I played, when I wrote your song. Yep. And that was it. Da, 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 da. That's what I played. And you say you don't think in sharps, you think in flats. I haven't got a clue what that means. Well, I, I'm more, because I'm a piano player, I'm drawn to flat keys. Guitarists are drawn to sharp keys. E, A, and B is what guitarists write in. Right. And I, I do sometimes write in E and A for my guitarist, but I prefer to write in E flat, B flat, D flat, F, because um, it has it sounds different for me on a piano. Are you addicted to music? Yes. Do you find music not so easy, right? Mm. But do you find music almost as natural as breathing, that therefore the rest, rest of life seems almost incomprehensible? I can't ever think of a day where I don't play music and it's, it's become a fixture within my being. Um, it, it's not an addiction. It's kind of, um, it's what's helped me get through my life through as, as a kid, through sorrow, through a lot of pain. And especially when in my addictive years, I used to sit when I was um, doing a lot of drugs and, and knowing that I was in a helpless place and listen to music and cry. You know, I used to listen to Don't Give Up by Peter Gabriel and Kate Bush and say, no, I won't give up. I won't give up. So it kept me alive in one respect. Um, but it's always been there. It's my alter ego. 
And because it's so deep and so rich and so beautiful and, and so connected, is that also sometimes why you had to anesthetize yourself? Because in, in many ways, you had so many receptors going, it was so difficult to cope with how fantastic life is. Would that be about right? Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's been there during the good times and the bad times, and um, it's always there. It's not, a, not a, a, as I say, a day goes by. I do, you know, like you, I do a radio show, and I do one every week. So I listen to music every week, and I choose what's good and what's bad. But I, it, that's not a chore. It's what I love to do. I keep up. You, you more than keep up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I keep up, and I love to keep it up. It's the young that inspire me, Chris. I, I'm not inspired by – I love Nina Simone. I love Motown. I love Elvis Presley. I love the Beatles, the Stones. I know all that stuff. But what inspires me is hearing something new. You think, God, that's really good. Like a Sam Fender, for example, and you think, Jesus, this guy's good, and he's yeah, you 25. you said Lewis Capaldi today. What about Tom Walker? Same thing. I think Tom yeah. Walker is phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. All these young people are writing songs. Um, and they're inspiring. When you said there are some songs I never want to play again, which would which might they be? My crocodile rock. Yeah. Bitches back. Yeah. Don't let the sun go down. Okay, just those, just those ones. It's just you know, <laughs> the, it changes some you know. It, it but crocodile rock, you know. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I do, the, the audience love it and it's fun, but it's like no. That, in the film, what, what, the way it starts off in the it's film, brilliant. I love that film. bit. That's my favorite. And I bit. would say, why are you using crocodile rock? And, and then it works perfectly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 22 years ago, Tantrums and Tiaras was out. How less mad are you now than you were then in your journey of sobriety? And uh, could might there be a follow-up? I was thinking about from Tantrums and Tiaras to, to Rocket Man and the School Run. What about that? Um, well, we're going to do a documentary um, the last, uh, on the last bit of the tour, and David's going to do it. Right. And so it'll be like, I'm still mad as a hatter. No, I know that. but I know, you, but... You seem um, a little more peaceful. I'm more peaceful, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I'm... I'm still bonkers, um, but the kids helped me with that. You know that. You know, your dad, the kids have just made everything completely different. The nice thing, I think, is because you've got David and because you've got the kids and because you've got something you probably thought you'd never have. Oh, absolutely. And you were so blessed with music. And, you know, as blessed as you can be with one thing, you can still think, you know, in your darkest hours, I've only got the one thing. I don't have an alternative. I don't have a safety net to my safety net. But now you do. Yeah. Ten years ago, David said you would have, I wanted to die on stage because I didn't see anything. We were just going to be two gay guys going around the world, you know, leading a wonderful life and not having a purpose. Um, and because we tried to adopt these two young kids in the Ukraine and it didn't come about, um, then we sat down and said, well, this young kid in the Ukraine is saying to me, you can be a dad. So um, what are we going to do about it? So we decided to go the surrogate route and have our own children. And it was the most incredible decision I've, you know, I'd made. It's just changed my life completely. And here I am now, two years away from the last show uh, on the road. And you've got to stay fit enough and well enough and alive enough to be a granddad now. Yeah, there's pits of me dropping off right, <laughs> left and centre, Chris. I mean, there's hardly anything of me left. But I'm still, I've, I'm the fittest I've ever been. I've got, just had my medical results done. I'm great. The boys keep me fit. I just, it just gives you another purpose. It's all about them now. It's not about me. It's about how they're growing up, how we can raise them in the best possible way. And there's not one minute of the day or second of the day that I ever regret the decision of having children. I absolutely love it. You were asked for your, the best advice you could give a young musician today. So would you just give share that with us again, please? You've got to play live if you want to have a career. Record sales will go up and down, and people are so fickle now. When you're young, they'll drop you like a, a five-pound note on the floor, and uh, you've got to be able to play live and believe in yourself. But play live. 
Okay, and the best piece of advice George Harrison gave you? Stop putting that marching powder up your nose. <laughs> and how long has it been now? Uh, how long has it been now? 29 years. Congratulations. 29 and a half. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank and the you. nose is still there. <laughs> it is. And so is most other things. Yes, most other things, okay. but not a few of them, no. All right, pal. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. That was great, Austin. Chris. That was really good. That's lovely. Thank you. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. For decades, he's brought to life one of the most iconic characters ever to grace the silver screen. Now he's telling his story, which began nearly half a century ago in the new book, I Am C-3PO, The Inside Story. Ladies and gentlemen, I can safely say this is the droid you're looking for. C-3PO, oh my word, it's Star Wars legend Anthony Daniels. Good morning, <laughs> what, Anthony. What an intro. Thank you. Welcome, welcome. How are you? Thank you. I'm really good. Very excited to be here Fantastic with you. Fantastic book. You are an icon. Look you sitting there and I'm in front of you <laughs> okay. two icons um, what a great title for the book I am C-3PO the inside story because you have played uh, one of the most famous characters uh, in cinematic history but from inside out the whole time um, I, I'll talk about things that are in the book if that's alright uh, I've read it it's fascinating it's really interesting so interesting it's such a page turner you know especially being in the business I love it uh, so 1975 you get a phone call how old are you what are you up to I was about 27, 28, I can't actually remember. I was in a play at the Criterion Theatre in Piccadilly Circus. Uh And um, it's in the book. You find yourself, if you've written a book, and I never expected to... I told you I wrote a book. Yes, Yes. good. Um, You never expect to be one of those people on the sofa saying, I wrote a book, but I did, because somebody said, why don't you write a book? And it's uh, now, I just say all the time, it's it's in there. But it is in there that uh, this phone call about George, a man called George Lucas, never heard of him, Uh never heard of him. Low-budget sci-fi movie, American, (laughs) no, I wasn't interested. My agent strong-armed me into the meeting, and it changed my life. It did change your life. Um, so then you, you agreed, both of you agreed that you, you would do this and you, you're playing a robot and then you, you are flown out to Tunisia? Yeah. Okay, for six months. And even, and we'll get back to, to how that began in a moment too, but even after you'd filmed it and you, you'd gone home, you thought, well, that's probably the last I'm going to hear of that. Never thought anyone would watch it because <clears throat> Mark Hamill, Carrie, myself, um, uh, um, who's the other bloke? Um, Harrison Ford. Harrison, yeah, him, yeah. Um, we all thought it was a bit sort of, yeah. We did it properly, you know, professional, but I seriously thought nobody's going to watch this. And, of course... You know, way later, look what happened. What do I know? Okay, so the suit, um, so, so well, the costume suit. What would you call it? The robot. The it's difficult. Uh, costume suit. It's from uh, sort of special creature effects, really, because it's made out of was made out of fiberglass and so on. So you go and film it. You're encased in this blimmin' suit. <laughs> Which was painful, and you were in, it used to injure you on a regular basis. This suit, didn't it? Yes, not in a major way, just really painful little squeezes and pinches. But and then whatever. you'd have a shower, and <clears throat> the, the, the water would make your cut smart and your bruises. Absolutely, you've been there. I can see it on your face. <laughs> yes, and the sand, of course, getting in places we don't want to discuss. And, and because <clears throat> his eyes had to flash, and there were batteries in the back of the the sort of head <laughs> part of the costume. Uh, sometimes the, the technicians didn't have time to tuck all the wires away and they did appear on screen, but you thought, well, that's not going to matter because, A, probably nobody's going to watch the film anyway. And even if they do, they can't possibly pause the film and zoom in. Back in the day, you could only see these films in, in the cinema, so you just watched it once and then you had to go round for the second or third or fourth showing to see it again. And by the time that moment had passed with the wires in the wrong place, you, you never saw it. Come the age of video, you could pause. And so, so, so people have described R two, sorry, C three PO's voice as maybe a sort of slightly um, uh, paranoid English butler. 
Very much so, and that's the way I kind of read the script. Cause a, a nervy English book. A nervy, uptight, a very uptight <laughs> very English Very clever. Book, very clever and totally ignored. You know, <laughs> he gets told to shut up. He's bullied all the time. I mean, he is a really a classical, tragic, uh, white-faced clown, you know, because yeah. people just trash him all the time, shove him. And you slightly wonder, you know, why he puts up with it. But his loyalty makes him stay with all these humans. And so... You've, you've been said goodbye to on the Star Wars sound stages three times because they thought you'd gone through, they thought three this is amazing so I am the Barbara Streisand you really, of, I mean this farewell to us or the, the status time. quo or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. but you see so, so you're so it's it's everybody says you know it's Anthony's last day on set C-3PO oh, yeah. ends today there's no more C-3PO in the next movies it's C-3PO's time on Star Wars is over and so it's Anthony's last day on set and it's his last scene and now he's just shot his last scene and he's coming down and, he, and but but then this happened three times and you're still in it, by the way, today, aren't you? <laughs> yes, but there, there is the final one uh, with J.J. Abrams on the, the Rise of Skywalker. And the previous farewells have been, OK, that's fine. It, it's all actually been quite fun in the end. Uh, but at the end of the Rise of Skywalker on the last day, that was difficult to kind of cope with a bit. I, I was very brave. Now, if you don't know what Anthony looks like, um, well, just, just YouTube him and bits and bobs that have been talking about um, the Oscars appearance alongside Bob Hope. But Anthony, you, your face has been seen in a Star Wars film. Oh, yes, it has. In, uh, I think, episode two, I said to George, you know, can I have my... I want to show my face. OK, sure. <laughs> and so I, I ended up as this uh, in, in a bar scene. So you said, Please, may I play an extra? Yeah, absolutely. Do you know, life as an extra is pretty tough. It's You stand around all day. You get fed very nicely, but it's fairly boring. Even, no, it is. But you know what is lovely? We, we have hundreds of extras, crowd artists, background artists, whatever you want to call them. And certainly just lately, J.J. Uh, Abrams, the director of uh, Episode 7 and now 9, has been on set every time with a new group saying... Welcome, you're part of the family. And here's the thing, you're going to see and hear things that are a kind of confidential secret. We want it to be a big surprise for the audience, so please will you not give any spoilers. I don't believe anyone ever has. Everybody who's an extra on these films is so thrilled to be there. It makes for a great atmosphere. So, so um, when does the next one hit our screens? I think it's around 19th, 20th of December, and you will love it. Anthony, great to talk to you. Oh, it's so nice great to be book, here, Great book, great to talk to you. It's out now. I am C-3PO, the inside story of... Anthony Daniels, C3PO Rock and Roll. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. He stunned you in American History X, walloped you in the face in Fight Club and smashed the place up in The Incredible Hulk. Now he's here with a real passion project. Motherless Brooklyn has been inside his head for nearly 20 years and on Friday, December the 6th, we finally get to see it. Please welcome the majestic Edward Norton. Good morning, Eduardo. <laughs> what, what a royal welcome. <laughs> Did you like that? It went from violence to passion yeah. to uh, magnificence. Yeah, to you now. Um, so, so this film, I, now I thought it was actually really real. It, it's basic, it's, 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 it has a sense of reality about it, this story. But it, the characters who were in the film, they didn't really exist. But the, but the notion and the narrative of the story did. So, so pitch it to us. Come on. Well, um, Motherless Brooklyn is, um, I hope it's in the tradition of, you know, films like LA Confidential and Chinatown. It's a, a deep, detective mystery in New York in the 50s. Um, and as you say, it, it, you know, Chinatown is also not historical. If you think about it, it's it, William Mulholland becomes Hollis Mulray, but it is, it is the essential truth. Yeah, of they how, were all sort of there. Yeah, they? of how LA stole its water. This is, this is, um, 
This film is about some very dark, secretive things that happened in New York in the 50s. But at, but at its core, I'm not Nicholson or Bogart, and um, my detective um, is a bit more unusual. He's a bit more in the Rain Man, Forrest Gump category. He, he, um, he has Tourette syndrome and obsessive compulsive disorder, and he, he actually is an operative for another, another detective, for Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis is the, the classic gumshoe, and I work for him um, because he recognizes that my character has has talents, uh, special talents embedded within his chaotic uh, brain and condition. And, uh, and when something bad happens to, to Bruce, I have to f sort of figure out the mystery of what, what was going on. And uh, it, leads, it leads into this world of jazz and, and corruption and all kinds of fun stuff. But it's, it's um, you know, I, I, I love those films. I really, I remember seeing LA Confidential when I was young and, and being very, very struck by the sexiness of going back in that way, where it doesn't feel like a diorama. It doesn't feel like a, a kitchen sink, you know, set. It, it really, you feel that you're in a big, you know, a, a big, deep version of the the world at that time, and the music is great, and the photography is great, and that makes me was... want to watch LA Confidential again, like tonight. Yeah, good, do it. Yeah, <laughs> it, it holds up. It's very good. And, and also, you know, one of the things about that film that you're going is sometimes a great ensemble cast can really make you feel that you don't even care what's happening is because as you float through the film, such terrific characters keep popping up that, and and we have. Um, in addition to Bruce Willis, who's fantastic in this, uh, Alec Baldwin, Willem... Ed, well, everybody's fantastic, forgive me. I, I, I think they're pretty terrific, yeah. It's a, it's a great ensemble cast. Willem Dafoe, uh, Michael K. Williams, um, uh, Bobby Cannavale, Alec Baldwin, uh, and a terrific... The o my only import, everyone in it is a New York uh, actor, mostly stage actors, and... Um, uh, but there's a there's an actress named Gugu Mbatha Raw from London who is one of your one of your Rada um, thoroughbreds who is just brilliant in the film. She's really really she's a she's a, a the discovery I think even even though those of us who have been really paying attention have seen her as really one of the great emerging t young talents out of England. She's 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 really really. Um, great in the film and she pulls off that brilliant uh, make that that concoction of, of vulnerable yet strong yeah and That's... and yeah she's she's uh she's got a fierce intelligence and she's stunning to look at so so because is it is this a phrase because it's written down in it's got it's got quotation marks around it um so i presume you've said it your tribe of new york actors is, is, is that something you said it was yeah i look i um it's tough to get these films made these days if you if um if you're Martin Scorsese, you can get 200 million from Netflix. I can't. Um, and uh, did you try? No, no. <laughs> well, you, we we you made know? this the old, we did this the old-fashioned way. We um by the by the way, if anybody's going to get 200 million from Netflix, it should be Martin Scorsese. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but the um, we 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 did this the old-fashioned way. We made it sort of as an as an independent film. We did it. We did it in a smart and gritty way uh it's tough to make a big period film that that is you know has big car chases and and big locations and stuff for a for a smart price but the um the cast of the film starting with bruce i said to people i said look i i, I i've got no money basically and everybody said to me we want to work with you we love the script and we're in and everyone from bruce to alec to willem everybody right on down essentially did it for scale which is which when i say a tribe of actors got this done. I mean, 
actors really rallied around it and 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 made it happen um, for me and and because they loved it and that's that felt very special to me. I've been in New York almost thirty years and a lot of the people in this film are kind of my my core New York colleagues and friends and um, I it felt it felt like a tribe pulling together. And, and making something happen. It was exciting. Now, you, 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 you wrote it. You started in 2004. Then you gave yourself a break. You had a bit of a block. And then you said, is it true that you, had to, you then had to make it because you heard somebody else might make it instead? Is that a true story? <laughs> I think some, someone who was the, one of my most stalwart supporters on it sort of intimated that maybe someone else was nosing around it. And that was all I needed to get off my ass and um, finish it. Uh, I, I, it was, it had infected me, but I, w but I knew it was going to take a lot up from me. Um, and I think, I think I was, I think I was scared to finish it and have to actually confront <laughs> making it. Right. Um, cause I knew it was gonna be a tall order, but, but sometimes you need something to push you over that, over that precipice. And I, I did get it finished and, uh, and then, uh, after a bit of the typical struggle to get everybody together around it, we we got it done. Well, well done, well done, and a great way to celebrate your fiftieth birthday. Thank you. Yes, that making was... this film, getting this film made, yes. and getting it out. Yes, that that's 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 true. I'm I don't mind marrying up those two uh, milestones. Okay, happy birthday to you. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Cheers, Edward. Thanks a lot, Thanks Edward for your time. Norton. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your talent. Uh, Motherless Brooklyn in cinemas from Friday the 6th of December. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. We've heard from three guests already, but there's loads more still to come. Tom Fletcher chats his fantastic new book, The Christmasaurus and the Winter Witch. James Wilkes tells us all about the benefits of a plant-based diet and his new hit documentary, The Game Changers. Dr. Megan Rossi brings more fantastic gut-healthy food into our studio for us to try. And Sally Lindsay discusses the brilliant brand new series on Channel 5, Cold Call. All that and more, but first, Dapper Dave, who's next? He's a music maker, author, vlogger, Guinness World Record holder and all-round good egg. His latest kids' festive fair, The Christmasaurus and the Winter Witch, is out now. So please put your mittens together for a man that knows exactly what he's doing and never McFlies by the seat of his pants. It's the wonderful Tom Fletcher! Morning, Tom! Good morning. Tom with his new rock and roll haircut. Yeah. Tell us why. Well, we had our first McFly show in three years at the O2 the other night, and uh, I was feeling a bit like a tired dad before the show, so I did something drastic. I've shaved all the sides of my hair off to yes. try and look more the part. I think you look great. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So how was the show? 
I do know it was amazing. It was really special. You know, we'd been away for a while. We had a difficult few years, so it was a, uh, a special moment. I think last year there was a you know a time when I thought we might never do that again. And so to be on stage, it sold out so fast as well. So everyone that was there really cared about our band. So it felt like a really special moment. So where are you playing next, like? We're touring next year. So we're touring uh, all around the UK, all the arenas. You April, couldn't, May. You couldn't fit in a, a, a car fest for us, could you? We'd love to. Yeah. yeah could you do that for us? Yeah. Can why we do not? that deal now? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Is that all right? Am I allowed to? Don't like, yeah. Why not? Okay, oh, we'd love to. Okay, that's great because we'd love to have you there. Because the, the, no, no better band live than McFly. Seriously, if you've never been to, if you've never been McFlyed, you've saw. Well, never you lived. saw us before anyone else. You came. You were one of the first people ever to see us live in that tiny little rehearsal room. I don't know if you remember. Of course, I do. I'll, I'll never forget it. Yeah. Um It's oh, where, where was it? It's Dalston, wasn't it? It's uh, in John Henry's. It's in uh, just it's near King's Cross, around the back yeah, of around... uh, near the post office. Mm-hmm, yeah, uh, it was. It was. It was a good day. It was yeah. a good day, and. Um, uh, I think we went out for a, where was it? We went out for ages. We went, we went, we did something. Then we went for a night out. Then it we turned went into a night yeah, in the I morning. Mean, yeah, well, I didn't make the whole night. It's one of the few nights where I've had to be taken home because <laughs> it was, it was, yeah, it was pretty wild. My uh, my wife now, who was there, she uh, she she took me home thankfully because it was it was it was quite a messy that night. Was, thank you. That was you. a while ago, wasn't it? <laughs> a long time ago. I mean, this must have been two thousand and five. Yeah. What are you thirty four now? I'm thirty four. Yeah. Thirty four. So it's at least fifteen years ago. Yep. And we're still here to tell the tale. Uh, me, most unbelievably. Right, uh, talking to Telling Tales, uh, your children's books, when did you start writing them? Uh, I think I've been writing children's books for about nine years, to be honest. I wrote picture books first and then started writing novels, uh, middle grade novels. Um, and yeah, so my new one is the sequel to uh, The Christmas Horus, which came out about four years ago. Um, you know, I've got a slightly unhealthy obsession with Christmas and, you know, I grew up loving dinosaurs, so... Put those two things together there and wrote is, the Christmas Horus. There's no such thing as an unhealthy obsession with Christmas, <laughs> especially in this company. Uh, now, uh, I don't know when to unleash her on you. Let's do it now. Uh, <laughs> Rachel Horn Rainbow, massive fan. Off you go, Rachel. So we uh, have got three boys, and so obviously we'd read The Dinosaur That Pooped various things you've got a whole series of the dinosaur that pooped Christmas pooped my dad pooped a princess so we'd read the dinosaur that pooped a planet and then I happened to be in the bookshop and I saw your Christmas story so you that was out in 2016 so it was three years ago yes so we bought it and in the December in the run-up to Christmas we read like a chapter a night with the boys right and then the following year you released they they loved it so then you released the creakers which wasn't as Christmassy but we just let's just keep with it we'll have a Tom Fletcher book in the run-up to Christmas that worked beautifully last year we were bereft yeah sorry there wasn't one so, Why you know, not, by the way? I was just, because we had another kid, had my third son, I was just too yeah, busy. Yeah, but other people were having children too, and they need your books. And I'm sorry, it's I apologise. not about you and your children. But I walked into Waterstones on Monday, I didn't realise you were coming in today, and I walked in, I saw the Christmas stories and the Winter Witch, and I bought it on Monday, then I came in on Tuesday, they said you were coming in today, and I got very excited, so we started <laughs> Did you it last the night. the receipt? You... <laughs> no, was... but I've made him sign it. Have you? Yeah. yeah, we started it last night, we read the first chapter last night, and the boys love it, so my kids are 10, 8 and 7, and they're just that perfect age and I was saying to them what is it you like about Tom's books and they were like it's just the adventures mummy it's the adventures so you've got that real mix of it's slightly fantastical but it's also related enough to reality that that age group can really engage with it can you come and do all my interviews with me please (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) well an interview would require a question oh sorry okay where'd you get your ideas from Tom (laughs) Um, where'd you get my ideas I think from stuff that I liked when I was a kid like my, my Christmas was always really magical thanks to my parents you know when I was a kid I've got a, a sister who's seven years younger than me so Christmas was the magic 
of Christmas was kept very much alive in my house. And um, so, yeah, I think it just goes back to the stuff that I enjoy, I enjoyed as a kid. You did that big gig on Wednesday night and you brought your kids along. Didn't yeah. Is that the first time they've seen you properly on stage? Yeah, that was their first McFly Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, well, and they, they've known about McFly, but, you know, we haven't been really doing anything for the last five years or so. Yeah. So Did they think you made it up? Pretty much, I think right. so. Yeah, just I'm just a liar. He tells stories. <laughs> Not read his books. No, but you so said it was. Yeah, obviously it was. You know, it's very special because they were there watching watching me. What on did stage. they think? Well, my um, uh, so I took my my two eldest who were five and three. So the three year old fell asleep about an hour into the gig. Fair enough. And it's you know it's a long night. <laughs> That's allowed. Uh, but my eldest who's uh, he's a lot like me. So he sat and he he's very much into music and quite obsessive. So he watches everything and then he remembers the tiniest details and asks me questions about it afterwards, which is you know lovely to. It's interesting talking to Elijah, Bono's son, about about the fact he couldn't stand music till he was 13. He probably could, but I was subconsciously rebelling against it, I would imagine. But your son's gone the other way. Yeah, I mean, he's literally like a a little mini clone of me. It's quite scary. He's into all... I I can just see myself in him. It's so strange. Uh, But, you know, maybe he'll rebel later on in life. What about you? Where did you get it from? From my dad. My dad was in bands playing in British Legions and pubs, you know, when I was a kid. And I used to go... I last... Actually, at the McFly show, when my kid was asleep on me and I was carrying him out of the venue, I had this weird flashback to being like three or four and my parents carrying me out of my dad's gigs. And it just reminded me of doing the same with my dad. Yeah, special, isn't it? And my dad used to get me up on stage to sing with his band and you know all right and now you're going to play liverpool uh, this is april uh, mns bank arena newcastle utility oh, i can never say this utilita uh, arena 20th of april can you change the name of that your, your arena please newcastle um first of may second of may fourth uh, of may fifth sixth eighth ninth tenth manchester first direct arena leeds cardiff bournemouth brighton london birmingham and uh, nottingham and uh, the Christmas Saurus and the Winter Witch out now on hardback, ebook, and audio. So that's McFly and Tom in a nutshell. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. A serious sporting injury made him see the benefit of eating beans over beings, and the rest, as they say, is history. His game changing diet documentary, handily called The Game Changers, is available now on Netflix via your Sky Q. And here to tell us all about it is a man whose abs alone will turn you vegan. It's the plant based ace, James Wilkes. Good morning, James. James. Morning. Oh my giddy and my godparents. What kind of a fuss have you caused with your documentary? I know, it's it's, uh, making some big waves, right? And I heard that you talked about it on the show, so I'm happy to be here. Yeah, we didn't stop talking about it for about a week. Um, I I said to everybody, if you have the ability to watch this and you don't, then you might as well throw your ability to watch it away because there's no point in having a telly. Uh, And that was a couple of weeks ago. Uh, But everybody I know has watched it now, uh, but more and more people are watching it. Do you you have any idea how many views your documentary's had? Uh, Netflix doesn't release the number of views, but uh, we know that the interest in plant-based eating has more than tripled worldwide since the film came out. So and when, when did bit. the film come out? Uh, so it came out in the middle of September in uh, theatres. We just did one night, 1,500 theatres around the world, and then um, iTunes October 1st, and then Netflix uh, October 16th. Okay, so Netflix via SkyQ, very modern medium, uh, lends itself to, to the Twitter sphere and to everything else that goes on. So you will have had worldwide reaction. Uh, how, how far flung has your document, uh, the phenomenon of your documentary, documentary reached? Uh, I mean, all over. We've just... Uh, uh, everywhere, you know, Japan, Australia, just messages from just all over the world. Did you take yourself by surprise? Uh, we knew it was going to be big. I didn't think it was going to have that big an impact so quickly, I think. Um, so, yeah, so definitely surprised a little right, bit. Right, for people who don't know who you are, um, not <laughs> let's not go through your early childhood, but but uh, how come you had to sort of look for alternative way, ways to, to, to get fit? What happened in your life, in your career? 
So, um, you know, I was, I was fighting in the UFC, got injured, sparring what, with... What the... is the UFC for people who oh, don't know? Oh, okay, sorry, yeah. So it's the Ultimate Fighting Championship. So yeah. I actually sort of specialize in teaching street self-defense. I train the Navy SEALs, U.S. Marshals, that type of thing. So you're quite good. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you're quite yeah. handy. Yeah, and so uh, the closest thing to that, obviously you can't go out in the street and just fight people and be immoral. So the closest thing to that is to do uh, mixed martial arts, and the premier organization is called the UFC. And so I won the Ultimate Fighter. It was a reality show. It was actually UK versus USA, and I won for the UK, even though I might sound a bit American now because I've lived there for 19 years. And then what happened? Uh, got injured and thought, what can I do to spend my time productively? Started looking at uh, the peer-reviewed research on nutrition for optimal recovery and performance. And that's when I came across a study about the Roman gladiators. Scientists, scientists analyzed the bones, 5,000 bones, 68 gladiator skeletons at the only known burial site in the world. And they could tell that they're eating almost exclusively plants. I thought, well, that can't be true. Because we need meat and animal protein to be strong and athletic and healthy. So I started really digging into the research and, and realized it was all BS. So what kind of what kind of arguments have been has, have been leveled at your film, and, and what is your what is your answer to those particular criticisms? Yeah, well, there's been quite a few. It's it's usually the keto and carnivore type diet people or the people funded by the meat industry. Um, one of the big ones that keeps getting circulated is that you know we said. A peanut butter sandwich or a cup of cooked lentils has about as much protein as three ounces of beef or uh, three large eggs. And people said, well, you've got to have five tablespoons of peanut butter in order to uh, have that much protein. I don't know. When I make a peanut butter sandwich, it includes bread. I don't know about you. But bread has about, you know, four or five grams of protein per slice. That's 10 grams for two pieces of bread. It's two tablespoons of peanut butter. So people are just picking up these... Uh, these arguments, they start talking about, you know, can't get enough protein, which is the whole myth to start with. All protein originates in plants. Animals are just the middlemen, and they're basically doing you a disservice by taking out all the phytonutrients and the fiber and uh, adding in a bunch of inflammatory mediators. So you can just go straight to the source. What I love about your documentary is that the mixture of, you know, anecdotal stuff like you and the ropes and um, Scott Jurek, one of my endurance running heroes, and he was running the Appalachian Trail. And how do you do that? without any protein and the and the world record lifting guy right he, he he broke the world record for lifting stuff the heaviest weight ever carried over yeah. 10 meters yeah uh, and people are trying to pick uh, that apart too because yeah. he called the three top strongman federations checked with the guinness world records saw what the record was beat the record then the next year the strongmen decided to cut the distance from 10 meters to 10 feet mm. right only a few meters, and then they could put it down as many times as they wanted. And then they said, oh, now we've beaten Patrick's record. But of course, I mean, it's like saying I can sprint, uh, and it, it takes me uh, 20 seconds, and you say, oh, well, I can do it in 10 seconds, but you're running half as fast. And what, 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 what for you now? Because the film, the film has, has caught light. I, I still, I don't think it's peaked yet, to be honest. I think it, it's, it's still spreading like wildfire. Netflix says it's still snowballing. What are you going to do now? What, what do you do with this energy? Because you've got to make, you've got to make hay while the sun shines, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, it's inspired people to, to look at their diets and switch towards more plant-based eating, which is great. Um, but in the past, five out of six people have gone meat-free end up going back. Number one reason cited is social pressure, but the other, the second biggest reason is usually not having the resources and the knowledge. So we've put out recipes and shopping tips and uh, you know things but like that on the you? website. What about you? What do you want to do personally? I, I want to keep um, putting resources out there for people, encouraging people. You know, we're going to we're consulting that like the U.S. military has probably been taking the biggest interest in the film. 
It's the first documentary that's ever been um, accredited by the Defense Health Agency for the United States and endorsed by the Special Operations Medical Association. So we'll be consulting for, you know, military. I've lived in America too long. Military. <laughs> military. And, uh, military. I like the military. The military. You like the military? Love yeah. them. Yeah, I like um, the sound of the military. Yeah. <laughs> so we're consulting for the military over there. The RAF actually here just reached out yesterday um, because they just want, you know, they call it warfighter effectiveness and saving healthcare costs. So we'll be consulting. Uh, so I'll just, I'm just going to be involved in sort of plant-based world. Good for you, mate. Yeah. Good for you. Uh, make your own mind up because the point is uh, more people will watch the film. And uh, if you've got, again, if you've got half a brain cell, uh, you're more than qualified to judge for yourself. It's called The Game Changes. It's on Netflix. You can get it via Sky Q. And James, I, I think you're a, very much a force for good. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. For a boy from the wrong side of the tracks in Sydney, he hasn't done too badly for himself. He uh, came tantalisingly close to lifting the Rugby World Cup only a few weeks ago, but if his new autobiography, My Life in Rugby, is to be believed, he will be back with a vengeance. Please welcome a true leader of the pack. It's Eddie Jones. Morning, Eddie. Morning, morning. Thanks for coming in. Pleasure to meet you, by the way. Uh, thanks very I, much. I, lo- I love everything you do. I love listening to your interviews. I love watching all the stuff online. I love reading what you say in the papers. And now we can read your book as well. Uh, how does a boy from Tasmania get to where you are now? Come on. Oh, a lot of luck, a lot of good players, yeah. um, and a bit of determination. But, but, but what was, I mean, what was, how talented were you as a rugby player yourself? Because everybody, everybody said, you know, I've read a lot about it, that you were a game changer. There was nothing of you. But my goodness me, could you change a game? Uh, look, I wasn't a great player, but I played with a lot of really good players and that, that really helped and um, I learned how to use what I had. All right. Uh, Vassas, let's talk about the World Cup. Well, let's talk about the World Cup, Eddie. Um, I've read many quotes that you regret your team selection in the final. Really? Uh, well, I take responsibility for the loss. Um, if I was to change anything, it's probably the thing I would have changed. And when I'm talking about selection, I'm talking about just the order of who started and who finished. Mm. Maybe we could have got a better result by changing the order of some of the players. But looking back at the, the semi-final against the All Blacks, England's greatest performance of all time. How much pleasure... Can you still get pleasure from that, having lost the final? Uh, well, it's... It's good, but not as good as winning the World Cup. Uh, but we had to be at our best to beat New Zealand, you know, and, and therefore to be at your best the next week is always going to be difficult. Um, you took a team who were, you know, right in the doldrums, a team who had failed to get out of the group stage in their own home World Cup to the brink of the trophy, to the final in Japan four years later. How much of your job, how much of what you do, Eddie, is um, tactical, on the pitch and how much is, is, is mental trying to get your players thinking right. So for example, for instance, if you were if you were Jose Mourinho this morning, if you'd just taken over a Tottenham team, do you think you could have an impact? Uh yeah, I think so. Um and that's why they change coaches. Um I think it's it's just trying to create a, an idea in the player's head of where they can go because everyone wants to be part of something special. You know, everyone you know, you guys are here because you're part of a special breakfast show. And you love it. You can see you've got a smile on your face. You believe in what's happening. And that's, that's all we're trying to do is create a, a vision of where they want to go, um, get them excited about it, keep building that belief, keep building the trust between the teammates. And then you can get something special because we're all looking for that extra 2 or 3% that's always hidden. You know, No one ever gives their absolute <laughs> best because there's always a bit more, always a bit more. It's a nightmare as well, isn't it? Because you know you've got it inside you and yeah. you know today's today you've got to deliver. You think, oh, where is it? 
<laughs> what, uh, can you sense when it's around that extra three percent? Uh yeah, yeah. You have that just that feeling. You know, you walk into a place and you f- you see everyone's got a smile on their face. Everyone's so communicating true. well, so true. and you've got it. You know, and you know when you haven't got it, and then you're trying to work out ways of getting it. It's so funny because when we were watching the final, we were watching it in Portugal at, at, a, at a, a big sports bar. Massive. It's where Ireland went to train before the World yeah. Cup. It's, it's it's got rugby, you know, in it, in its veins, and. Within the first few minutes of the final, you know, we missed a kick. There was an injury. And I saw England players looking at each other, hands on the hips and shaking their head. No, I mean, not, not aggressively yeah. each other. And I'd never seen that. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. That, that's the, that's yeah. the bump in the road. Yeah. And once that bump in the road's there, yeah. the other teams see it. And the whole momentum changes, doesn't yeah. it? And you, yeah. it's, it's that like that. Yeah. And it's one, one of the things in sport now I think we've seen, particularly over the last 10 years, momentum shifts. Uh, the players find it hard to, to change it on the field, and I think, again, it's it's because of the way young players are educated now, um, not to have those robust conversations they need to have, you know, because when you're not not at your best, you've really got to have some tough conversations to find to find out where you can get your best. When did you know that the the final had gone? That South Africa were going to win? <laughs> not until the seventy ninth minute, really? but. Uh, yeah, the, there was signs on the board. We just weren't sharp early, as as Chris was saying. We just weren't right. Um, whereas the previous week, everything had gone to hand. Everything was right. And you've only got to be a little bit off. You know, you only got to be 1% or 2% off. And, and they played the best game of the tournament. They were brilliant, weren't yeah. they? Yeah. They played by far their best game. Uh, your book starts in Japan. It ends in Japan. Um, um, where, where will your rugby? Where do you want your rugby journey ultimately to end, Eddie Jones? Uh, well, I'd, I'd love to be holding that World Cup trophy. That's that's the main thing. But I, yeah, over the next two years, I want to make England the most powerful side in the world. Okay, and what do you need to do that, that that's not already in place? Uh, well, we just it's it's only small increments. It's about getting better every day. Um, you know, for our team, we just need to become a little bit more adaptable. When things aren't going our way, be able to find a way quicker of, of finding another way to win because um, it's always finding a way to win. And a couple a, a couple more super talents out there that maybe you, you're not aware of yet? Or, or would everybody already be on your radar that you'd need in two years' time? Uh, no, I've, I've been on the road the last couple of days watching a number Ooh. of games. we found a couple of good young players <laughs> out there. Been? There's always plenty of good talent there. Can you imagine if you're playing a rugby match and Eddie Jones turns and you go, oh, my oh God, my have, goodness. You, have you seen him in the crowd? I don't think he's here for the KFC. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have a round of applause for Eddie Jones. <laughs> Thank you very much, Eddie. Well done, my friend. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. A simple telephone call could change your life forever, especially if it's from a team of scam artists hidden away in a shipping container somewhere in Manchester. Her gripping new psychological thriller, Cold Call, continues tonight at 9pm on Channel 5. And here to tell us all about it is a lady we'd never leave hanging on the telephone. It's the lovely Sally Lindsay. <laughs> Good morning, Sally. Good morning, Chris. Thanks for having me again. Well, A, congratulations. B, congratulations. C, congratulations. And D, uh, you know, watch out for those awards winging their way to you and your team. <laughs> If you haven't seen this, and you probably haven't, the more people won't have than have, Cold Call started last night on Channel 5 at 9 o'clock, and it is as good as TV drama gets. If it was on ITV or BBC One on a Sunday night, it would be on the front page of every single Sunday supplement. It may well be anyway, uh, but it's over four nights. It's a great way to broadcast these kind of things now. Cold Call. It's relevant. um, It's reticent. It's emotive. It's um, expansive. it's, It's horrible. 
Um, it's damaged from beginning to end. There's nobody in it that's got a good, a decent story to tell. Uh, who wrote it? When did you film it? How come you've nailed it? Uh, well, it was uh, last year I came to um, a meeting with Channel 5 and, um, and Chalkboard, the company, and they said, we've got this idea. And it was about a, a woman, a very normal woman who gets a cold call. And, and the writers... Um, Karen and Mark, they came along, the married couple, they're amazing. And uh, they, they had this sort of Bible of like this 30 page Bible of what they wanted to sort of pro show in this in, in this um, in this thing. So I was like, oh, OK, this is amazing. And very scary, actually, when I read this sort of Bible. And then they said, um, but we want it to make this very real person want to be every woman that it literally can happen to everyone. And these two guys, literally, they could do a PhD on cold calling. They know everything about every scam everywhere from... Uh, where the money goes to, who the criminals are, how they do it. And, and you know, it was petrifying. So it was really weird. So I sat there and I went, you, is, do you want me to do this? Is it, it? And they went, oh, oh yes, yeah. It was like one of those really weird things, but there's no script. So we sort of developed it. I mean, obviously um, they wrote it, but, it, but it, was, it was just an idea. They wanted me to be part of from the start. And I think something like that is a very organic thing, which doesn't happen often, because usually the agents get involved and you get, you get sent a script and do you like it and don't you like it? And everybody gets their oar in. But we literally, it was really a small experience that, and I think that's why we've been all so on board with it. So the cold calling question is, is and we've all heard about them, and they are mm -hmm. so horrible, yeah. horrible, and they lead to misery, tragedy, ultimately death uh, for some people. Yes. Um, you lose your life savings, you lose everything you've got, the families are ruined. For, for, for what, for what, for what reason? To make a crook who already can't sleep at night, not sleep, not be able to sleep at night even, yeah, even more. Basically. Uh, so you, so a cold call comes in, uh, you, 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 you hear this voice that's very trustworthy because they've done their research on you, they know what you like, they know how to read people down the phone, um, they completely uh, uh, meet you in the middle, uh, you know, the, if you're warm, they're warm, if you're harsh, they're harsh, if mm -hmm. you're a, a mechanic, they'll talk about, uh, they've, they've, they're very clever in what they do. It's, it's horrible, but they are very clever, uh, which is why it's so effective. And then they say that they suspect you've had, there's been some fraudulent goings on uh, as far as your bank account's concerned. And then you think, well, this nobody in their right mind would give over their bank details to somebody they've never met before on the phone and they don't answer the bank. But it's so easy to do. And thousands of people do it. And thousands it ruins their lives. I mean, it was, it, honest to God, Chris, it was bizarre. When I did the press pack day, there was two journalists, one who's and this amazing, intelligent woman. And four days before Christmas, she'd lost thousands on this one call because she was distracted. It was a, it was, she was at a funeral and it was all, I've got to get out. And they and like it, don't they? Distraction. Yeah, they yeah. write it down. So the, the opposite character writes it down and says, oh, she's distracted. Yeah. So if they call you and they're distracted, they've got a better chance of, of, of getting... It's awful. They can read you like a book. And, and it's, it's a plan they do all the time. This particular um, scam is called Push Pay Forward. But there's so many. I mean, like the week before I went for the meeting and everybody thinks I've made this up for a press pack, but it wasn't. I got a call from the supposed gas board saying that we were going to have CCJs against our name. We'd not paid it for two, two years, blah, blah, blah. And I know I had... You know, I know, I knew I had, and I'm an intelligent person. This is you for real this in is real me. life. Sally but the CCJ thing in my head, I got one years ago when I was a student, and I've never actually quite got over it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, because yeah. I was like, and they play on that too. Play on that. So yeah. I was like, and then I remember thinking, I know I've paid this. I said, could you just? But it was only because I knew definitely I'd paid it that I couldn't. I said I'm going to double check. But even then, I was I had to go out. I was distracted. I had to go and pick the kids up from school. 
and so I got it straight away. And the re- the really weird thing was when I, I said, "Oh, people always ask you what you're up to next." I said, I'm doing this thing about cold calling. Everybody's got a story. Everybody's got a story. Got a story. We, had, we had a hardcore. So we had a hardcore a couple of months, a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago now. In as much as we had the the um, letter equivalent. Oh, really? My wife had it, and they sent it to my wife because they know that she's a bit more vulnerable than I am as far as these things are concerned. Yeah. And it said that we owed some money and that we were acquiring massive interest on a daily basis. And she almost just said it straight to our account, said, we need to sort this straight away. And I just happened to see it, and the, the, the type was a little bit off and the envelope yeah. was a little bit wrong, and then we noticed there wasn't a proper stamp on it. These things had just been mass hand-delivered around where we live. And if they get one replying out of 10,000... That's them on a Caribbean holiday again for another 10 years. And it's awful because when this, with cold calls, when this money hits the other account, it goes to thousands of places around the world for a second and then comes back again. I mean, it's petrifying. The best police force in the the universe can't follow that. Um, So it's like a criminal, criminal, less crime, really, because you you can't catch anyone, but she finds out. Oh, you can't go any further than that story because it's it's all too good. Oh, Chris, thank you. Please watch this show. What else do you want to talk about, Sally Lindsay? It's one of those ones, this, to be honest. Because I don't want to say any more. Because I don't. It's hard, isn't it? Because it's so I just don't twisty want to and give turning. Give anything away. That's all. I know. It's so twisty. And, and also, turning. it doesn't hang around on screen either. There's so many dramas doing that. It's because they can't afford to. Because the budget doesn't hang around. It's all there, isn't it? I think the brilliant thing about having to have this sort of restricted budget, and because uh, it was a big experiment for drama as well, because we did it on a very restricted budget, yeah. and we did it over seven weeks. We filmed that whole thing over seven weeks, wow. and we we just got on with it. And it was all a labour of love, really. And, and I think you can see that. You can see the urgency and you can see the, you know, there's a few scraps on set. <laughs> nothing, wrong <laughs> not the, a lot. nothing wrong with a scrap on set. Again. <laughs> Sign of a good drama. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. If you like your food battered, fried or microwaved, then our next guest might be just what you need to hear. Last time she was here, she had the tummies of the nation rumbling. So we've got her back for more. Please welcome the best-selling author of Eat Yourself Healthy. It's your digestive system. New Bezzy mate, Dr. Megan Rossi. Morning, Doctor. Morning. Morning. Hey, guys. How are you today? Uh, cold. It's very cold outside. Oh, stop outside. it with the cold. It's just fresh. <laughs> Get over it. What delights have you brought in this time? Double of what you brought in last time. This is inspired by the you know festive season. So you've got, you got a little sniffle, haven't you? I do have a little <laughs> sniffle. Go on. So here is water kefir. So have you had water kefir before? No, but I can't no. wait to have this it now. This is a brilliant mixer. So if you are going to have you know, a little bit of alcohol, and mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with small amounts of alcohol for the gut, if you have large amounts, not great. But I like to mix it with this water kefir. It's a really nice mix. Here, have your shot. Right, what's, what's, what does water kefir do for it? So it's made out of these... Grains. So remember in here, there's millions of bacteria and yeast. Yep. And what they do is they ferment the sugar and produce these special organic acids, which do many different beneficial things to our body. Some things are lowering our blood pressure, talking to our brain, etc. So I like to add it with my alcohol. Um, there's no clinical trials on that, but I think you know, it can potentially <laughs> counteract the effects of the alcohol. Yeah, you don't always need a clinical trial to back a co- up a claim. I don't think. No, no, Chris. <laughs> Anecdotal evidence Cheers, is great. Anyway, here we go. It's really nice. It's really nice. It's, it's like a lemonade, but just not too quite sweet. Ginger, it's quite yeah, ginger yeah. beer. It's quite barley water. And also, if you make it yourself, you Very can nice. add, you know, just half a shot. So when I go out, instead of having eight drinks, I'm actually only having four because each shot is only Love like it. half. We'll take a picture of all this and put it on our Instagram. But this is the one. This is the real place of beauty set. Yeah. Along with the chocolate again. Reminds about the chocolate. Yeah, prebiotic chocolate box. We've added in, with my favourite white chocolate, some prebiotics, which come from the dried mango and pistachios ah. and some 
other plant chemicals called polyphenols from the extra virgin olive oil and the dark chocolate. Right, so this is all good for us, right? A, it's good for us. B, okay, she's a genius. Uh, see, they all look beautiful, don't they? And they taste beautiful as well. What's so this, this one here, that's a chalk fudge. Now, I want you to guess what the two gut-loving oh. ingredients in this one is. Here we go, okay. <laughs> Close your eyes. Oh. So it's got no added sugar. Oh. Beetroot? Oh, nope. Failed. Sorry. Something, <laughs> avocado? Something nutty. No. No, no, you didn't really think beer and avocado. You just wanted to be right. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't taste of avocado or beer at all. Well, it's squishy, like avocado. Yeah, but you just wanted to be right, <laughs> and, and that's why you're blushing. And it's got a tongue of beetroot. I am it. admitting it. Taste it, taste it, taste it. Something, so it's sweetened. Something quite distant there. Yeah, it's it's sweetened with things like bananas and dates, but... Is it nutty at all? No. Go on. Prunes. Nice. And black beans. Fantastic. Mm, and then some oats in there as well. So this is a really great one. It's easy to make. Take to a Christmas party. So you're going to feed not only taste buds, but your gut bacteria as well. What's what's the jam, the chai jam? So here is chia jam. So it's super high in dietary fiber. Oh. And you add it with a scoop in the oh, live yogurt. Do we have any teaspoons? Um, no, we can get them. You can just visualize that. Teaspoons, uh, so it's got you. the no added sugar in it and it's got all that fiber in it. Remember, fiber is a nutrient which human cells can't digest. Its sole purpose is to feed the gut bacteria. Look oh. at all that cutlery clanging oh, around yeah, there. Yeah, it's just my um, Foley artist days uh, coming to revisit us. Do you know See, what that is, Foley artistry? No. Okay. And then the last thing that we've got going on mm -hmm. is these smoky beans and sourdough. Now, this is what I have when I'm a little bit hungover um, after a <laughs> When was the last out. time that happened, Dr. Megan? You know what? It's probably been about a month ago when I was back in Australia. Right. The Australians, they'd get me every bloody time. Um, <laughs> and I have these, I bulk cook them. They're super, super easy yep. to bulk cook. So then mm. when I'm hungover, I get out of bed. Yep. I get it out of the freezer, Roll put it in the microwave. Ten minutes while they're in the microwave, I do a bit of a gut-directed yoga flow, which is in Eat Yourself Healthy, and that's really helping to relax that gut-brain axis, kind of helps with my headache. Uh, and then I serve it on some sourdough. And again, the sourdough is a fermented food, which actually comes from this thing in here. This is like the bacteria and yeast which make sourdough. Okay, you're like, you're like a scientist without the, 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 the white coat and all the sort of uh, paraphernalia that that goes before. No, remember, I am a scientist. I work at King's College sorry, in London no, as a researcher. Sorry, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. Sorry, I do apologise. Uh, if I could, because you can't do everything, because there's not enough time. Is this? You can't do everything. Yeah. If I could do three things to stay fit and healthy, it would be carry on shuffling, running. Yeah. It would be yoga. And it would, I would focus on my gut health. They were the th that's how I prioritise. Would that be a good way to go? Absolutely. Like we've said before that when I was here last time, gut health really is revolutionising well, how it's we the centre of It's the centre it of your is. being, isn't it? Yeah, these and Emotion, everything's down there, yeah. isn't it? And gut health, I think, you know, we talk about it all the time, but what it is exactly is not always oh, communicated. Is that good? Good mix? Lovely. Yeah. No added sugar. Oh, my uh, So goodness. gut health relates to the functioning of our entire digestive tract. So it's this nine-metre-long tube that oh. essentially delivers food from entry all the way to exit. This, oh. um, this hangover cure, the smoky beans, cheese, yeah, yeah. sourdough, yeah. I'm going to willfully get myself hungover just <laughs> so, so that I can... <laughs> this is the so, best thing ever. So I think one of the things is we Your know that... is so beautiful. ...large amounts of alcohol is not good for the gut. Oh. Um, so if we can avoid having large amounts, obviously do it. But, you know, Christmas time, sometimes we slightly overdo it. And what I like to think about is just kind of saying sorry for 
for the damage that I've done to my gut the next morning and the day before. So these smoky beans have got 15 grams of fiber, which is half your daily fiber requirements. And remember, fiber keeps the bacteria happy. So in the morning, instead of just having a big fry up, you know, get these that you've bought cooked out of the uh, freezer. And then eat them, and and you know it really will help uh, your gut lining Megan, kind of remend. You are knocking it out of the park. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget, you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast, and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky. Planning for your next trip. Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.